باب الطيب عند الاحرام using scent when going into ihram now this is referring to applying fragrance before entering ihram so this is like for example a person reaches the miqat and they you know take a shower or they make wudu and then they're going to change their clothing like for example a man is going to or a woman is you know intending to come into ihram so at that time before saying the talbiyah all right uh, can perfume be applied on the body and the answer is yes why because the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam did so as we will see in the ahadith and we learned that the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam even had perfume oil on his scalp okay and it was so much that it could actually be seen it was almost glistening but remember that he did not rub it he did not spread it on his clothing or all over you know he didn't keep spreading it basically okay remember that there are three types of fragrances one type of fragrance is that which is with a color okay and this is only for women this is not allowed for men neither in ihram nor outside of ihram secondly there is fragrance that is pure with no mixture so of course men can apply this before entering the state of ihram on the body and they cannot apply this after putting on the ihram and then thirdly there is another type of fragrance which is very light which does not spread and it does not stay for long at all you know for example you touch something it's very fragrant like for example some tissues you know they're very fragrant so you use it you know yes your hands will smell a little bit but then after a while that fragrance is gone after a few moments it's gone you peel an orange the orange leaves you know it's natural fragrance on your hand and basically you know it's not meant for perfume okay and it goes away very quickly so this is something that is allowed in ihram what about women can women apply perfume on their body before entering the state of ihram yes they can okay as long as that fragrance doesn't spread There is a hadith which is not in Bukhari it's actually in Sunan Abi Daud in which we learned that Aisha radhiyallahu anha said that we used to meaning women we used to paste on our foreheads the perfume which is known as sukk okay so it was customary for the women at the time to apply this on their foreheads and she said that when someone would sweat you know it was only natural that when you sweat then the sweat trickles down your face so she said that it would come down on the face of the woman and the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam saw it but he did not forbid it so basically the women would wear this why because they knew that they were in their haulaj they were on their camel they were not going to be uh you know sitting right next to men or walking right next to them and you know it was understood that that fragrance was not going to spread So a woman also can wear fragrance on her body before before entering the state of ihram all right but not on the clothing and likewise once you're in the state of ihram the rule is the same for men and women no fragrance wa ma yalbasu and what he should wear meaning the haji should wear ida arada an yuhrima when he intends to enter into ihram Basically the question is what should be worn in ihram For a woman it is her regular clothing 
And for a man, it is izar and rida. What is an izar? Lower garment. All right. And what is a rida? An upper garment. Right? Like a shawl. And this is so that all the hujjaj are dressed in the same way. وَيَتَرَجَّلَ And combing the hair, وَيَدَّهِنَ And oiling it. Have you heard any confusion regarding this, combing the hair in ihram? Never? This is a big question for many people. Are we allowed to comb the hair? Because the question is that if you comb your hair, your hair will fall out, right? And you're not allowed to cut your hair in ihram. So then what should be done? For those five, six, sometimes even more days, a person goes on without combing their hair, right? Or are they allowed to comb their hair? So there is a difference of opinion concerning this issue. Some scholars have said that this is permissible because combing is not like cutting. And whether you comb your hair or you don't, your hair will still fall out. Right? Because every day, you know, you have hair loss, whether you like it or you don't, whether you brush your hair or you don't. So, so this is a natural process. And others have said that no, if, if a person is aware that when they comb their hair, a lot of their hair will fall out, then it's better not to comb the hair. Then, وَيَدَّهِنَ And oiling. Meaning, is it permissible to wear oil? To put oil on the skin, on the hair? And from this, we can also see things like creams, moisturizers. Is it permissible to use that in the state of ihram? So, there is a hadith in uh, Al-Mustadruq al-Sahihain uh, where it is reported that Asma' radiallahu anha said that we used to comb our hair in ihram. So combing the hair is perfectly all right, inshallah. Unless you know that a lot of your hair will fall out. So just to be on the safe side, you don't. وَقَالَ ابْنُ عَبَّاسٍ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمَا Ibn Abbas رضي الله عنه said that يَشَمُّ الْمُحْرِمُ That a person in ihram is allowed to يَشَمُّ يَشَمُّ is to smell الرَّيْحَانَ A fragrant plant. So a muhrim can smell a fragrant plant. What does that mean? Exactly. You can smell flowers. You can smell itar. It's not forbidden to smell. That's something that you are allowed to do. And he's also allowed to look into the mirror. Why would you look into the mirror? To fix your hair, right? To fix your appearance. So it's perfectly all right to do that. وَيَتَدَاوَى بِمَا يَأْكُلُ الزَّيْتَ وَالسَّمْنَ And he can be treated with edible oil and salmon is fat or ghee. So this is also perfectly allowed. Basically the point is that you can use fragrant food also. Okay, You can eat fragrant food also. وَقَالَ عَطَاءٌ يَتَخَتَّمُ وَيَلْبَسُ الْهِمْيَانَ Ata said people in ihram are permitted to wear rings and Himyan. Himyan are money belts, you could say. Okay, like a small pouch that people would wear on their waist. Why? Because when you keep your money and, you know, things like that on your waist, then you know you won't lose it. So even today you have things like fanny pack, right? You can wear it on your waist to ensure that you have your passport, your money, all of that, because sometimes, you know, your hands, you know, they must be free in order to make your way. So, Arta said that this is perfectly permissible. And this shows that wearing a watch is also allowed. Okay? Because if rings are allowed, then watches are also allowed. And bracelets and jewelry 
is allowed. We learned that in another hadith, which is not reported in Bukhari, but we learned that Aisha anha was asked that a woman in ihram, what should she wear? And she said that she can wear silk, cotton, and she listed some other materials also, colored or plain. So any kind of clothing, whether it is made of silk or some other material, it's colorful or not. And she can even wear her jewelry. So for a woman, the matter is more broad. وَطَافَ ibn Umar radiallahu anhuma وَهُوَ muhrimun. And Ibn Umar radiallahu anhu performed tawaf while he was in a state of ihram. وَقَدْ حَزَمَ عَلَى بَطْنِهِ بِثَوْبٍ While a cloth was tied around his belly. So around his abdomen, around his stomach, he had tied a cloth. Why did he do that? To sort of hold his lower garment in place. So basically something like a belt. Okay, This is a question that many men have, a fear that many men have. That are they allowed to wear a belt? So we see that Ibn Umar radiallahu anhu did that. وَلَمْ تَرَى عَائِشَةُ رَضِيَ عَنْهَا And Aisha radiallahu anha did not see any problem بِالتُبَّانِ بِالتُبَّانِ بَأْسًا بَأْسًا meaning any problem with what? تُبَّان تُبَّان is like a short trouser, something like an underwear. So she didn't find any problem if a man wore that, but specifically which men? لِلَّذِينَ يَرْحَلُونَ هَوْدَجَهَا for the men who would fix, who would carry her haudaj. Haudaj is like the seat which is put on a camel. Okay? And the seat is really heavy. It's got a, a, a canopy also. And typically women would sit in it. So imagine a woman is sitting in it. And then two men come and they lift that haudaj and they put it on a camel. So it's a lot of work. And of course, if a man is doing that, and imagine if his izar is loose even slightly... So it could be a source of great embarrassment for him. So because his work is like that, she didn't find any problem in such men wearing trousers under their ihram. So this shows us that if there is a need, a man can wear something that is made to, you know, that is tailored to fit the body, like a short trouser or an underwear, under the izar. So uh, we see that Aisha anha did not find a problem with that at all. And this is based on hadith actually, because we learned that the Prophet ﷺ gave a khutbah at Arafat and he said that whoever does not have an izar should wear a trouser. Okay. So basically if a person does not have a loose garment, okay, he can wear stitched clothing. But this is of course in a state of necessity. And another state of necessity can be, for example, some people have a very difficult time doing their tawaf or sari in ihram. Because, you know, they get a rash on their legs because of the constant rubbing of the skin. So they must wear something like a trouser. So if it must be worn temporarily also, this is allowed. Okay, so this is something that you should be familiar with. And remember that there is no fidya for this where out of necessity a man must wear clothing that is stitched or clothing that is fits the body, there is nothing wrong with that. And there is no fidya for it. حدثنا محمد بن يوسف حدثنا سفيان عن منصور عن سعيد بن جبير قال كان ابن عمر رضي الله عنهما يدهن بالزيت So Ibn Umar رضي الله عنه used to use oil and he would apply that. فذكرته لإبراهيم قال ما تصنع بقوله So 
The narrator, he says that I mentioned this to Ibrahim al-Nakhri, and I asked him that what would you say about the words of al-Aswad, ma tasna'u biqawlihi? What do you say about his statement? Whose statement? The statement of Ibn Umar, which is not quoted over here. But what is implied is that Ibn Umar radiallahu anhu uh, was of the opinion that using fragrant oil was not permissible. Using fragrant oil was not permissible. So when Ibrahim al-Nakhri was asked about this, he said, حدثني الأسود عن عائشة رضي الله عنها قالت كأني أنظر إلى وبيس الطيب She said that it is as though I can see the glistening, the whiteness of the oil, of the fragrance في مفارق رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم in the hair parting of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم وهو محرم while he was in ihram. Meaning the action of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم has more weights. So Ibn Umar was of the opinion that using fragrant oil was not permissible before ihram, which is why he used plain oil. Uh, because remember that in oil, fragrance is added. So we see that the salaf, they would seek evidence from the actions of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. حدثنا عبد الله بن يوسف أخبرنا مالك عن عبد الرحمن بن القاسم عن أبيه عن عائشة رضي الله عنها زوج النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم عائشة رضي الله عنها said that قالت كنت أطيب رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم لإحرامه حين يحرم She said I would apply fragrance on the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم for his ihram when he would put in the ihram so she would apply fragrance on him وَلِحِلِّهِ And also for his hill, meaning when he would exit the state of ihram, also I would apply fragrance on him. قَبْلَ أَنْ يَطُوفَ بِالْبَيْتِ Before he would do tawaf of the house. So we see over here that Aisha radiallahu anha would apply fragrance on who? On the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa Was he not able to put it himself? Hmm? He could have, right? So why did she do it? Hmm? As affection. So it shows the really strong relationship between the Prophet ﷺ and Aisha anha. That when he would enter into ihram and when he would come out of ihram, both times, she would apply perfume on him. And where would she put it? On his scalp. Okay? In the hair parting. So this shows us that this is also a place where fragrance can be applied. Because usually people just put it on their clothes and what happens is that it leaves a stain on the clothes. So it's better to put it on the skin, especially on the head, in the hair parting. And Aisha radiallahu anha didn't just do that actually. We learned that she would also wash his head. She would also put oil on his hair. She would also comb his hair. And this was all out of love for the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Next is Bab Man Ahalla Mulabbidan. Someone going into Ihram as Mulabbid. Mulabbid, this is from Talbid, and Talbid is basically to join the hair with gum or some kind of sticky substance. Okay? Like people would even use honey. They would put that on the hair. Why? For multiple benefits. One benefit was that the hair would stay in place, just as people use gel today. So the hair would stay in place. It wouldn't, you know, scatter everywhere. It wouldn't be disheveled. It wouldn't look messy. And secondly, it was also to protect the hair. Protect the hair from what? From getting dirty, from getting dusty, from getting infected. 
with lice and things like that. And especially they would do it when traveling. Especially they would do it when traveling, because as you're traveling, there's dirt, there's dust as you're resting. You know, there's all sorts of things. So as protection for the hair, they would do talbid, especially when traveling. Okay. So we see over here, is it allowed to go into the state of ihram with talbid? حدثنا أصبغ أخبرنا ابن وهب عن يونس عن ابن شهاب عن سالم عن أبيه رضي الله عنه قال سمعت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يهل ملبدا So Salim reports from his father who is Abdullah ibn Umar that I heard the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم يهل يهل as in saying the talbiya saying the talbiya means entering into ihram but he said this while he was mulabbid meaning while his hair was gummed or stuck together. So this shows that it's permissible to do this. And this is a question, why? Because there's something on the hair. And a man in ihram is not allowed to cover his head. All right? He's not allowed to cover his head, like, you know, for example, wearing a hat or something like that. But this material is all over the hair. It's almost like covering the head. But this is different. Secondly, this is also a question because when you have such a, you know, sticky substance sort of concealing your hair, how will you make wudu? You understand? Is your wudu valid? So yes, you can just do mas' over this. And based on this, scholars have also said that if, for example, a woman has or a man has henna, Right, on their hair, and they're waiting for it to dry up and, you know, people leave it in for several hours. So if you have to make wudu at that time, it's perfectly fine. You can just pass your hand over your hair and it's permissible. However, when it comes to ghusl, when it comes to taking a bath for purification in order to pray, then this has to be removed. Whether it is henna or it is some other material, honey, Whatever it is, it has to be removed. Because we learn in another hadith that the Prophet ﷺ told Aisha ﷺ to open her hair, wash it, and comb it, alright, to remove the substance. Because she had also done talbid. So, so far, what have we learned about ihram? What have we learned about ihram? Tell me a few things. Okay, fragrance is not allowed in ihram. What does that mean? So, it is not allowed to apply fragrance on the clothing, but it is allowed on the body. But when? Before entering the ihram. Okay, good. What else have we learned about ihram? Or you're allowed to smell flowers also and things like that. I'm glad you mentioned that. What about shampoos and soaps? Not necessarily. It lasts. When it comes to, especially shampoo, right? the fragrance can last for hours and hours. In fact, sometimes even a day or two. So it's better to use fragrance-free Soaps, shampoos, and things like that. Okay? What about wipes, like wet towels? If they're fragrant-free, if they're unscented, okay. But if they're scented, meaning a scent has been added to them, just as a scent has been added to the shampoo, then they should not be used. And if you use a wipe like that, and that leaves a scent on your skin, then you should wash it off. Like it happened with me. I was in the plane, and after we ate, you know, we just... Very natural, just t- took it out, wiped my hand, and I was enjoying the smell. 
And then I realized that, oh, I'm in Ihram, so I had to go wash my hands. My mom reminded me. So you have to wash it off. Okay? What else do we learn about Ihram? Okay, good. That combing the hair is permissible using oil and cream. Okay, what about cream now? Again, if it's scented, then no. Why? Because the scent has been added to it. But there are certain oils which are naturally fragrant. Like for example, olive oil has its own fragrance. Coconut oil has its own fragrance. You cannot remove the fragrance. Nor are these products used for fragrance. So this is completely permissible. Any food you eat has its own fragrance. You get the point, right? Everything has its fragrance. Okay, Natural fragrance, exactly. But if a fragrance has been added to something, then you have to be cautious over there. Alright. Okay. I just want to show you very quickly the Masjid Zul Hulayfa and the Wadi Aqiq next to it. Okay. So can you just zoom out? Okay. You can see Medina. Right. So I'm just going to go here. Bismillah. Okay. You see Medina over here and where is Makkah? Do you see Makkah? Jeddah is here, right? Where is Makkah? Right here. Okay? So Medina is here and Makkah is here. Now, okay, so this is Abyar Ali. And you see this white spot? This is uh, Dhul Hulayfa. Okay? And this entire gorge, this is the Wadi Aqiq. Yeah, see Masjid Miqat Dhul Hulayfa? And this is Wadi Aqiq. It even says over here in Arabic, Wadi Al-Aqiq. So inshallah, when you get a chance to go to Medina, make sure you pray there. Inshallah. Someone asked a question if um, it is permissible to change the ihram. And the answer is yes. You can change the ihram on a daily basis if you need to, as long as the conditions of the ihram are met. So it's not necessary to keep the same two sheets on from the first day to the last day. Because if that is done, then it would be very, very difficult for a person. So it is permissible to change okay, multiple times if needed. And a woman also can change her clothing. But the conditions are still the same. okay? Meaning the clothing should not have perfume on them and the clothing should also meet the right requirements. Bab al-Ihlali in the Masjid al-Hulayfa. Assuming ihram at the mosque of Dhul Hulayfa. Because the Prophet ﷺ wore the ihram over here, so doing it over here. Haddathana Ali ibn Abdullah, haddathana Sufyan, haddathana Musa ibn Uqwata, sami'atu Salim ibn Abdullah, qala sami'atu ibn Umar radiyallahu anhuma, wa haddathana Abdullah ibn Maslamata, an Malikin, an Musa ibn Uqwata, an Salim ibn Abdullah, anahu sami'a abahu yakulu, ma ahalla Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallama, illa min indil masjid. So Ibn Umar radiyallahu anhu reported that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam did not ahalla, and ahalla means to say the talbiyah, meaning to enter into the state of ihram, except from near the masjid, meaning by the masjid. Which masjid? Yarni masjida dhil hulayfa, meaning the masjid of dhul hulayfa. So that is where the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam entered into the state of ihram, not in Medina, but at dhul hulayfa. What kind of clothes should not be worn by a muhrim? 
حدثنا عبد الله بن يوسف أخبرنا مالك عن نافع عن عبد الله بن عمر رضي الله عنهما أن رجلا قال يا رسول الله ما يلبس المحرم من الثياب So a man asked the Prophet وسلم, that a messenger of Allah what clothes should a muhrim wear? Meaning what sort of clothes should someone in ihram wear? قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم The Prophet وسلم, said لا يلبس القمصة He should not wear قمص قمص plural of قميص meaning shirt so shirts not allowed ولا العمائم عمائم plural of عمامة and what is that? A turban. So a man may not wear a turban. Nor sarawilat, meaning trousers. baranis, nor a burnus, a certain kind of a garment. khifaf, nor leather socks. Illa ahadun, except for a person who la yajidu na'layni, who does not find sandals. So leather socks are sort of like shoes. Okay, because they cover the foot from the bottom and also from the top, up to the ankle, and sometimes even over the ankle. So, no leather socks, except for the person who cannot find sandals. Sandals meaning something that's just covering, just protecting the foot from the bottom, and there's just something small, like a strap, so that the sandal can be worn. So this person who cannot find sandals, فَلْيَلْبَسْ خُفَّيْنِ Then he can wear, what can he wear? leather socks. However, وَلْيَقْطَعُهُمَا But he should cut them أَسْفَلَ مِنَ الْكَعْبَيْنِ Under the ankles. So basically, he should cut off the part that covers the ankles. So something like ankle socks. They come just below the ankle. So that is what he should do to the shoes. وَلَا تَلْبَسُوا مِنَ الثِّيَابِ شَيْئًا And do not wear anything of clothing. مَسَّهُ الزَّعْفَرَانِ a wars that has been touched by za'faran or wars. Wars is another kind of perfume that also leaves a stain. So nothing like that on the clothing. So one thing we learn over here is that a person who does not find sandals can wear the leather socks, but he should cut them so that they are below the ankles. And this teaches us that the guidelines are there for the ihram clothing and if a person does not find what is suitable for ihram, for whatever reason, like for example, a person loses their bag, a person loses their sandals, okay, a person has an injury or something like that, and they must wear uh, something, or for example, a person is extremely cold, they're sick, all right, so they must put on something warm, and they cannot find a, a blanket, and they must wear a sweater, otherwise their condition is getting worse. Then in that case, what can be done? something else can be worn. Okay? But that should only be in a state of necessity. Alright? No. The the feet should be uncovered. The feet should not be covered. Go ahead. So the question is, why do men have to wear ihram for Umrah and Hajj? And the answer is that the Prophet ﷺ did it. He taught it. Okay? That's a very good answer. But what's the wisdom? What's the benefit? Yes? Exactly. Everybody becomes equal in the sense that you cannot figure out even sometimes the background of people, their ethnicity sometimes. I mean, you can't tell which country they're from because typically we figure these things out by what people are wearing. So 
Typically what happens is if a person is wearing like a shalwar kameez, they're treated differently. If they're wearing a shirt and pant, they're treated differently. If they're wearing a sob, they're treated differently. But here we see that regardless of where a person is from, everyone has to wear the same clothes. Right? So that's one thing. Secondly, the status of people also becomes equal in the sense that you cannot wear expensive clothing. You cannot wear, you know, something that would uh, show your wealth because it is two simple, plain sheets of cloth. It also reminds of death because in the kafan, you're supposed to wrap a person in similar clothing. So in hajj, when people are wearing the same clothes, it reminds you of death also. Any other benefit you can think of? People who have experienced it should be able to share more. So is that satisfying? Yeah? Okay. That's a very good point because the focus of Hajj is worship. And if uh, people are left to wear whatever they want, then it would just become a competition. And it would also be a distraction that what to wear today, what to wear tomorrow, and so on and so forth. This is something that happens, especially in the aircrafts and in the airplanes. People are in ihram and it's extremely cold. So, I mean, people are creative, mashallah. You know, take a blanket or even just throw the jacket on you if you must do that. One thing is that uh, before putting on the ihram, uh, it is better to perform ghusl. It is mustahab. It is preferable. It's not obligatory though. It's not mandatory to do ghusl and then put on ihram. It is mustahab. It is better. So for example, if you stop at the at the miqat in order to wear your ihram, then even if you just do wudu and pray over there in the masjid, that's sufficient. You don't have to make ghusl. Likewise, if you're in the plane and you make your intention, again, that is sufficient. You don't have to take a bath in the aircraft washroom. Nor do you have to do that at the airport. It's it's not necessary. Any other question regarding uh, ihram? Because now, inshallah, uh, the topic will change slightly. During ihram, is a person allowed to take a bath? Yes, they are. In fact, it would be good to do so because you're not allowed to wear perfume anyway. And it's usually hot and it's crowded and you're walking a lot. So definitely taking a shower is permissible. But again, no perfume. That's it. And again, the ihram clothes can also be changed if there is a need to do that. Okay, inshallah, we'll conclude over here. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Ashadu wa la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.